Hello, hello, mate. How's it going? I'm good. It's not going to matter for me, but your um, your face is pixelated. Like the entire image is quite low quality, but it won't matter for me. Oh, that's How's mine? You are ooh, a, bit, a tad, a tad pixelated as well. Just a minute. Just gonna stuff that Let's in the corner there. To... Uh, performance. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Yeah, I like working from these um these big old buildings. These are lovely. Oh yeah, that's not your place, is it? No, this is, this is not my house. No, definitely not. How's um, your finger? Just, okay. Yeah, it's fine. It started it stopped uh, pulsing now. It sucked. I was moving this around so I could have the Christmas tree in the background yeah. and kind of sit up. And uh, literally, this stupid arm, my finger was in the middle of these two areas here, uh, and it yeah. just I just pulled it, it up. The whole spring just went like that and just pinched it not nice can you do me a favor can you turn your macbook a little bit to your right i guess just so you're more in the center like this yeah that's great yeah cool 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 um what i might do as well is i'm just gonna set my phone up to record okay and this time it might actually send because it won't be 4k i think that works well i'm just gonna check my outputs and make sure they're working Boop. all right yeah just double check that my volume's okay i've been messing around with it a bit you sound great to... you sound really good you sound good. better than than last time yeah so i've put the pop shield back on yep um because i'm kind of slurry and shit so nice <laughs> so i've been noticing like quite a lot those pops yeah pops so and clicks. yeah so i've put that back on um i've angled it a little bit more yeah so instead of talking upwards so you can actually still see my face a little bit do you know what i'm gonna do the same i'm just gonna tweak this a bit so that i fall more in the middle there we go so how's your week going man it's going well um different house news uh oh, i yeah. had so i started pulling away some more wallpaper in my bedroom right and um i've noticed in the past the walls are completely flat and in some areas they go kind of really upwards and out of alignment and right. kind of just really rough and when you're feeling the wallpaper you can feel like almost like they've just uh wallpapered over brick that kind of feeling okay um so i pulled that wallpaper off and it's all like fresh plaster and then it stops and turns into basically just a wall of filler in the corner of the room um For like God literally what white like wicks filler the whole fucking wall um so i looked into it a bit more found some like damp areas as well i think there's a big hole in the side of the building somewhere or a crack or something letting in water um and he's just been filling it every couple of years just to try and hide the problem yeah you need to skim that back you need to remove all the plaster remove all that filler chase it back find yeah. out what's causing the, the the upset and um yeah fill that because that's going to turn into a bloody nightmare yeah so um i've managed to get into my garden now which i've never been able to do yeah. i don't have access to it um and i got the neighbor who's who rents out the place next door which is empty he let me in the back so i can now see up and there's like some pretty decent cracks some right. areas where weeds are growing through the house like on the outside so they need to be pulled out luckily they're all lower than my floor right which means they're dealing the they're a problem for downstairs uh even though i should be paying for it because i'm a freeholder right okay. um but they probably won't bother with that but more importantly further up there's cracks which again is going to be one of those things where it's the opposite it's like my problem and they won't worry about it because it's yeah. not affecting them yet um so i gotta look into that from the outside first really before i start dealing with the inside and also 
it's the room that I'm living in. It's like the bedroom. So I need to really get another room finished before I can actually really tear into that. When you're when you're starting these little projects in your mind's eye, see, it's, it's, I guess it's different for me because I've got, you know, so my wife is driving, drives continually the improvement of the house. And if it was up to me, I might struggle to find that motivation. I've always been more interested in doing things like, you know, working on my computer, working on servers, working on work, as opposed to working on DIY and house stuff. And I guess that's changed as I've gotten older and I've gotten better at doing it. But what is it that you draw on to keep you motivated? How is it your, why bother is what I'm trying to say. Why bother? Um, I think it's because this room is like 95% finished and it's fantastic. I love it. Apart from like coving and yeah. a bit of wall paneling and some skirting boards. Um, and the rest of the house is still like Ukraine. Um, yeah. it's, it's such a crack den. Uh, and I just can't deal with it. You know, it doesn't look good. The bedroom, um, everything just feels dirty. Like it's constantly dusty because there's so much like of the walls coming off. I'm constantly like, picking at wallpaper. I'm, I can't leave a room alone. Like yeah. every single room has now got ripped off wallpaper, which doesn't look good at all. Why do you uh, think it is? Because I think it's guys in particular. And I know that there are some girls that will be like this. But why, why do you think it is? Because we know we've both got friends who live in places that really could do with some attention and yeah uh i don't know what it is uh that's a good point maybe it's more of like a logical brain um i think just some people have like more of an engineering no <laughs> it's more <laughs> but you would you would think it was logical i know you know we know okay so we know a guy who who lives in a flat still and yeah sure he's renting but he could there's no reason why he can't do that place up you know, and I think I love him. I think he's a great guy and he's an engineer. So I, I don't think that it's a logical thing. I think it's what else? What is it? I don't know. Maybe it's just laziness. Maybe it's lack of willpower. Maybe it's because they can't they can't they can't justify it. They don't see the I value think, in making your house look beautiful. I don't think that's it. I think um, some people have their priorities set. And I think when money's when money's a thing that you got to think about quite a lot and yeah. you're determined to buy your own place, I don't think he wants to invest in somewhere that is going to lose the money. Like, he could spend a grand making that look amazing. That's a good point. And then that's another grand out. And if you're only saving up a deposit of 10 grand, that's 10% of your deposit you've put mm. down just on stuff you're not going to get back. Um, also, the landlord should be paying for it if it's serious. Mm. Um, so, you know, and also if, if he works a lot, so... He's not going to be around that much. That's what I reckon it is. If he was, if he was more, if it was different, if he was investing his money into stocks and things that like his money could go somewhere else and make more cash and he was living in that full time and he was happy renting, then yeah, I'd say, you know, do it up. Um, but since it's just a buy, like a, a medium do you think? Do you think people who haven't got a lot of money should be thinking about stocks and shares? Because I'm not convinced they should. I'm thinking about it, but there's priorities in there. So, um, I'm like a massive fan of, uh, finances and like working out where you should put your money. And there's so many videos online that tell you from rich people, like all the ultra rich telling you that you should do this, this, and this, and this, you should put a hundred grand to this, hundred grand to this. And it's like, that's not possible. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well you should put 10 grand into this 10 grand. That's not possible. Um, for me, like my priorities are have an emergency fund so I don't have to go into debt when something bad happens to the house. Um, 
make sure my pension is being topped up more than it should be. If I can then start paying, maybe not right now, but when the market goes back to normal, start paying 10% more of my mortgage off than I have to. Um, and then I want to start putting £50 a month, start by putting £50 a month into stocks and shares, something safe, but also kind of not worry too much, like S&P 500 or something. Yeah. yeah. Vanguard. That's yeah. a good idea. I've got a, um, I've got a personal pension thing. It's a SIP and a, about six or seven years ago when I was self-employed, or a little bit less than actually, about five years ago when I was self-employed, I was contributing quite a lot to that. But that has turned, I was, I was also quite willing to put money into quite volatile markets. And the return on investment has been fantastic. It's been way better than just stay, saving. It's been way better than, than bonds and, you know, a, a plain vanilla pension. It's been remarkable. I got, I get, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't contributed to that particular one in maybe four years, but I need to get back on it. I'll do it in the new year. Actually, that'd be one of my new year's resolutions is to start paying more into that because the way that I see it and the way that it's been explained to me is that if I, if I want to live really comfortably when I retire and um, draw a salary, draw a pension that's equivalent to, you know, what I'm earning now, actually I can afford to do that. And it's, it's funny because there's that saying that the there's the, the best time to start saving is right now, and it's it's true for no matter when you're what what environment you're in, no matter what time of your life you're in, and I think that's the best way to do it is to do it now yeah, while sure. you're not thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. I think like definitely, I if I could do anything, go back in the past and change anything, I would start investing like ten years ago because compound interest is nuts. Mm. Like the the there's a compound calculator that you can get on um on the internet. And it's ridiculous. You can have, if you save, the example is ridiculous, but if you save a thousand pound a month, a thousand pound, yeah, a thousand pound a month into stocks and shares, it's something like if you start now and you do it for 15 years, you'll have like a million pound in the bank and you would have only added something like 400 grand because it's just like with yeah. the compound interesting. Whereas in if you started 10 years ago, so 25 years from when you're 10 years younger, um, you'd have like like two and a half times more, mm. like an unbelievable amount more. And mm. because you waited for ten years, you you messed it up. And it means you can retire if you're on a th if you can save a thousand pound a month in the stocks and shares, you can retire in fifteen years, like handsomely. It's crazy. Do you um? So do you you pay off your mortgage? You've got a pension. Do you do anything else to kind of help yourself in the future or? in stocks at all that's a really good question i mean i'd like to think so but i think i'd need to find a stock or a share that i really liked and i think the the risk of me just evaporating all my money is probably quite high and that would make yeah. me a bit concerned so i'd rather put it into something that was designed to be a pension pot as opposed to something that would even though they might be relatively high risk and I, i'm nowhere near smart enough in this area to to speak to it with any degree of expertise but financial advisors that I have spoken to in the past, you know, they were saying that the, the, the time to be investing in saving is right now while you're still, you know, cause you and I are both in our early thirties now, but when he was telling me that advice, you know, I was 24, 23 and I didn't have the capital to invest. It just wasn't possible to put any kind of reasonable amount of money to one side. I was living not quite uh, hand to mouth, but it might as well have been, I couldn't have saved. I couldn't have had an emergency fund it would have been impossible for me to on a single income to get to get a mortgage and, and in 35 
probably yeah probably 35 years time when my mortgage is paid off even let's assume that we continue just paying out of the base rate and we don't we don't overpay which is something that we have talked about doing you know that i'm going to be probably deep into my 60s by the time i can i can retire and uh, i can well i think the retirement age actually do you know can you look up what the retirement age is in the uk at the moment i think it's like 75 70, oh it's 75 jesus okay so I mean, that's 40 years away. If I've paid off my mortgage, then great. That's going to be a load of money off a month we don't have to worry about. I'd like to think that we're going to do that. And I'd also like to think that we're going to, uh, what I mean is we're going to pay off early um, because I think we've both got the ability to. Um, that said, do I think that we're going to start investing in other things? Probably. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely continue my SIP. I think if I've got capital where I can invest directly in stuff, you know, what I'd like to do as I get older is start investing in businesses. That would be fun. I think that would be a challenge, but it might actually work out. And I think I'd probably just do that, but just by, I don't know, I'd need to, you know, I could buy my way into, you know, all sorts of companies and, and take a percentage, but there's a, you know, there's a guy, you know, Pete, who we, who you and I both know, and he's, his audio company's doing really well comparatively to where, you know, it was a couple of years ago. And he's looking, he's just finished doing another round of um, trying to raise capital and funds to help continue making valve amps um you know but he's got to give away 50 plus percent of his company and so if i think if i'm going to be in, involved in a company like that i think what i'd much rather do is spend some time um in the company to understand its ethos understand the market understand what it's going to try and sell i don't think i'm anywhere near smart enough to do to make those kind of judgment calls now i don't think i've got the time or the resources or the effort or the or, or i don't think i've got the wherewithal i honestly don't think i've got the wherewithal right now to judge whether a company's going to do well i mean I, I do relatively well functioning inside of a business and if there's clear if there's clear leadership coming down then yeah i, I guess so but you know i guess it makes it easier I, i'm i tend to be the sort of person who is more comfortable working in the business as opposed to on the business that said i do an awful look a lot of work where um you know it's, it's pro bono and uh you know the the the, R, the ROI isn't isn't completely self evident at the time. Like there's a there's a load of work that I used to do it for free, just to hope that I could you know get my foot in the door and and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to actually investing money in businesses or buying stocks and shares, I mean, who bloody knows? I'm just worried that I'm going to evaporate all my money and make a bad decision. And if I yeah. if I've if I've spent 15 years or 20 years or 30 years earning a savings pot, then do I really want to take that risk at that point? Probably not. I'll probably become more risk adverse. And so I'm actually more likely to, you know, invest in things that are more stable across time, like gold or bonds or something, government bonds. I don't know. That's about that's so all I could see. What I would say you should do, and I think you should do this as a test, if you can afford, because they always say, like, if you're unsure about something, don't invest more than you are happy to lose. Yeah. Um. So S&P 500 has been going for 100 years now, I think, almost or has been um and the growth year on year averages out as 10 percent, which is nuts um which means year on year even though you have massive drops you have bigger inclines um yeah. that show a 10 percent growth um if you on on the vanguard website and everyone says vanguard because they have the lowest um fees um they do blended funds and they will ask you what kind of um what kind of risk you want and they'll choose for you and mm. the minimum you could do is you can do a one-off payment of 200 pound a month 200 pound and just put whatever you want in after that or you can start it with 50 pound a month 
if you can afford it, I would say put a hundred pound a month in every month for a year into just S&P 500 on its own or one of their funds um, and see what happens. And if you don't mind losing, what's that, like £1,200 after a year, and when I say lose it, I mean it might drop 100 quid. You know, you're not losing all of it. Just keep doing it and see what happens because I think you'd be surprised. Is um, that what you've done? Have you done this? I will do. I can't afford £100 a month at the moment or right. £50 a month for that matter. Um, I'm going to start my 33rd birthday just as a target. Yeah. Um, I need to get these rooms kind of made up properly first. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start putting £50 a month in and then I'm going to try and make that £100 a month after a year. Mm-hmm. And if I can get my career up to a point where I can afford £200 a month, I think that means that I can retire in not not for much money. But if I wanted to, I think it would take 20 years and I could retire just on that amount with the accrued interest every month to have two grand a month taken out. So it's interesting you say that. So one one thing that I've noticed about some of these guys online who talk about things that you should be doing with your money and shouldn't be, um, I think it's a, a really efficient route to market to actually upskill. And if you want to earn more money, earn more money. If you want to make money, and I think you can do that. I think I know a lot. I know there's a few individuals that I do know that we'll do investing for example and my brother's someone actually who's, who's talked about this and he'll talk he'll talk about putting money in this why this, this xyz stock or this xyz fund or whatever and i think well actually knowing you as an individual it make much more sense for you to just focus on you know a couple areas of of you as an individual and your what you can do what your skill set is i mean go out to go out to the job market and just farm yourself out get promoted a few times and before you know it you'll be You'll be on 60, 70, 80, 100 grand a year. And you could and you could do that. And that's well within your ability to do that. So you can, so, and that's what I would say would be a better way to make money because more often than not, if you want to save for the future, it's not just money that you need to get working for you. It's you, you need to get working for you. And it's yeah. your personal development, you need to get working for you. And this is something I'm a big fan of. I think if you can, if you can set your trajectory up so that you're constantly climbing and if you've got the mentality to, accept failure when it happens but to you know they say pain is change fuel if you can accept the pain of having to look inside yourself and think well okay well i need to be better in these key areas maybe it's mathematics maybe it's computer science maybe it's whatever your business is of choice whatever your temperament is aligned to whatever you can do natural whatever your natural affinity is whatever your vocation might be if you're lucky enough to find your vocation work on getting a higher paying job in that space and i think that's that makes much more sense because then you're actually increasing your income today right now. What do you think? No, yeah, 100%. Um, I think if you want to make more money, the number one way of doing it right now is A, uh, making sure your outgoings are as low as they can be, but then also you need your incoming, your earnings, like as high as they can be. And if that means you have one main job that pays you as much money as you can possibly make and constantly shopping around to get another job, another job that pays more and more, um, you need to be doing something that's not that you can write tax against. So if you're yeah. freelance and you can write code or you can do photography for lots of money and you can write a car against it so you don't pay your you, you take tax off so you're not taxed. Um you get tax rebates like I used to. Um when I did the film stuff, I was only making like two grand a year on it because I was doing it really small amounts. But I managed to write off all of my tax 
for some of my normal job because I had a car, everything that modifications and everything I wrote off on tax and said it was maintenance. Um, all the camera equipment that I enjoyed spending money on, I'd write that against my tax. My laptop, my phone, all would go on it. Uh, phone bill, I think 25%, all, 25 of the fuel for the car for the whole year went against it. And it meant that every year I'd get a tax rebate of like a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds. So I'd actually make four grand a year, uh, which is nuts. And I pay the tax guy 300 quid for doing that. Mm. So that was amazing. And I think, um, yeah, so you want to make your in your earnings, like knowledge is money as much as possible. Then it's where you put that money because you don't want to just spend all your money on things you like. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if I was making 10 years ago, if I made a hundred grand a year or 50 grand a year, hundred percent, I would have wasted it all on cars and holidays. Mm. And I'd probably have still bought a house when I did now. Like I would have had 10 years of just buying Porsches uh, <laughs> or something unbelievably stupid. But some cars can retain their value. So you might have actually been on something there. You might have bought a yeah. car that's worth, you know, God knows how much. Yeah. Maybe air cooled classics. Something like that. Speaking of um, speaking of things that make loads of money, we 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 buy vo uh, vodka, we buy whiskey, we buy bottles of whiskey, um, like limited edition whiskey as a as a savings thing. So you know you hear about people buying bottles of wine, and yeah, barrels of whiskey as well. Oh, I don't know if we can buy a barrel, but we we what we try and do is every single year we try and buy a moderately expensive bottle of whiskey, a few hundred, it's more than a hundred quid, but you know four five hundred thousand pounds, whatever. And we do this hoping that in 20 odd years time, hopefully when my son grows up, you know, he'll have something there that's worth a bit of money that's that's accrued more value than just interest alone in a savings pot. And we started looking at the McAllen. They did a 007 range recently. Yeah, I saw that. Oh my God. I found there was one bottle that sold at auction for, it was in excess of 20,000 pounds. And it was one that's bottle. Nuts. And I just think that's insane because they, I don't know how much they were, they were actually selling for. I think it was only a couple grand, but because it was a limited edition, James Bond 60th anniversary, uh, limited run. And of course, Daniel Craig's just killed off Bond. <sighs> you know, it was just insane amounts of money. And of course, no one will drink them. They'll just keep changing hands forever, probably. And yeah. until someone drops one by accident or they do get pissed and drink them all. Um, that's nuts. I didn't yeah. know you could buy a whiskey bottle. And and have it go vintage. Oh, I guess it's vintage at that point. Well, that's the thing. Like it wasn't. It, it's um. <clears throat> it it was just it was just a limited edition Macallan run of of whiskey. It wasn't anything more. What's so like single cast that year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how long it had been. I need to look it up, but I don't, I don't know if it was a if it was a vintage one. But they were doing limit for every decade of Bond. They were yeah. doing a limited run of single cask whiskeys, and you know. 20 grand for a bottle, a single bottle. And if you've, if you've only paid three or four, again, I don't know how much they sold for individually. I think it's about that. Then, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. You can quadruple your money in, you know, no, no time at all the same day, which is yeah. just tremendous. That's nuts. Mm. Whiskey. So saying whiskey and investing, uh, me and Tom were talking about this last week. Um, so people invest in whiskey before it's, while it's like maturing so you can buy a, you can buy like a share in a barrel of whiskey as it mm. gets made and then it gets sat in a barn or sat in some some 
fucking rental place. Yeah, a sherry oak for, barrel. For 20 or 30 years. And then the idea being is when, when that matures and they sell it, you get a, a cut of the percentage of profit. That is really interesting. That's a real thing. You're going to have to send me some links to that because that's... I'll try and find it. Yeah, that's piqued my interest. And see, this is that. the same guy who, who, you know, hasn't got a lot of money and who won't, you know, clean his shower because, you know, he's renting it. So why bother? I think for God's sake. He's on a he's on a mission at the moment to save up for his house. Well, fair play to him, man. And more power to him. God yeah. bless him. God bless him. He'll smash it. I reckon give it, give it another six or seven months, let the recession uh, disappear a bit or, or calm down. Yeah. Um, and hopefully housing prices will drop enough and hopefully he'll be able to save up enough and buy it when it's super low. I hope so. He deserves a place. He really does. I mean, yeah. there, there are loads of people who do. And <laughs> everyone yeah. deserves a house. Yeah. Well, there are some people who I hate who I don't want houses. No. So. Yeah. Actually, no, I can't think of a single person I don't want. To... I can tell you someone who uh, was... Okay, so this is there's a, there's a reason why I'm going to tell you this story. Um, so about seven or eight years ago, maybe it's more than that, Maybe 10 years ago, I was mugged. I was walking home with a friend of mine, coincidentally called another Tom. And we would, we'd been out drinking and I wasn't, I wasn't too drunk anyway. It was, it was pitch black and we were walking home. We were quite close to his house. And this, uh, this homeless guy, smelled homeless at least, walked up to us, brandished a very pathetic looking knife and stole my coat from me. And it was a horrible experience, really awful. And there was a moment when he was taking my, I had a North Face coat, so I was, I was really pleased with it. And he was, he, I was taking it off and, um, and I went, here you go, you fucking knob. And um, anyway, we called the police and this you know, police turned up, didn't find the guy. And about two or three weeks later, I saw the same guy being arrested for shoplifting in, in a Tesco's near where I live. And I saw him by fluke. I walked in and I spotted this prick and... I said to the arresting officers, I said, hey, listen, this guy's connected to, he assaulted, assaulted me. He mugged me and my friend. And you need to make sure that you take my name and number down because he's linked to this other case. He's wanted for it. And um, so they did. They took my name and number down. Anyway, they got back to the station and they released him before they bothered to read the notes. Anyway, so this guy got loose again. I then got a call. I then got a call from a, a constable a few, you know, sometime later. And he said, Mark, um, you, you need to come down to the station. So... Uh, we've recovered your coat. We found it and I couldn't believe it. And the only reason why they knew it was mine is because I'd written my name. I was, I'm one of these guys, if there's a label on your bag or your coat for your name and your number, you write it down. Cause if you lose stuff, it'd be nice if someone returned it. That so worked out. He found my name and number, they returned it. Or they said, we found it. And I thought, great. So I went to the police station and they said, look, we, we've got some news for you as well. Uh, you and you can have it back if you want, but the guy's dead. Uh, he died. He's homeless, and he's not, he was living in Bath, and he died. And we found him, and your coat was in some of his things. Do you want it back? And I thought, God, do I? So yeah, that was pretty toasty. Didn't want to wear that coat ever again. No, and he probably done smack in it, or God knows what. But anyway, when did you, you did you? I'm sorry, did you take the jacket? No, I said you can burn it or do whatever you want with it. I said I'm sort of over it now. I'm, I'm over that. There's there's so much. There's only so much blood that I'll tolerate washing off a garment. But yeah, yeah, disgusting. But anyway, the, the reason why I was telling you that was because I think, yeah, there are some people who are willing just to rob for a, a coat. Um, 
and he damn near stabbed us by the way it wasn't like it was just he brandished it like he was he meant it so yeah Jesus. fuck that guy yeah some i think if that ever happened to me i'd just be like cool man here you go yeah and that's pretty much what i did it was pretty much that it was yeah it's, okay. it's not worth it yeah here you go like, take, take whatever you want i can't run and i couldn't run because he grabbed me so it wasn't like i had a chance to run away because they always yeah, say totally. just run and i would have done i was legged it there's no way he's, i could hear him wheeze there's no way he was going to catch me but yeah what <laughs> no i always think if i ever got mucked i don't think like they wouldn't take your house keys they can take my wallet like literally couldn't care it cost 10 pounds to get a new license and all my cards could just get frozen the chances mm. are he'll probably take my phone yeah um, i don't want that but i'm clever enough that if he took my phone i just run up to the next stranger with an iphone and ask them if i can use the find my iphone app and close it and freeze it oh, that's clever that's a really good idea actually that's a really yeah, good I idea i highly recommend setting it up it works off mac as well so i use my i use it from time to time because i'm clumsy and i'll lose my phone but i didn't yeah, i same. didn't realize that you could oh, of course because you can just sign into your icloud account on their app can't you for that moment yeah, you just yeah. log in on that find my iphone like thing and it'll give you all your um apple uh devices and then you can just freeze them send them out signals locate it um yeah find my iphone is amazing oh here's one tip actually that i learned recently that's really good on your iphone on the new ios if you swipe down to control panel while your screen's locked you can set it to airplane mode you can you should disable that in your settings so that if someone does take your phone for example uh they can't just swipe down put it in airplane mode so that you can't find it on find my iphone oh my god i didn't from the lock that. screen so you can yeah, change that yeah i'll change that later I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, I didn't. I stumbled across it in a just a YouTube rabbit war and I went down and some person was saying, you know, top 10 things to do on a new iPhone. And that was one of them. I thought, very good. Yeah, I'm taking airplane mode off that. I didn't mm. I didn't even think about that. Huh. And I wonder Weird. how many people have been caught out by that because that seems like such an obvious thing to do. Yeah. Because you do, you walk around and you just assume that, well, it's an iPhone. No one's going to nick it because it's useless. Well, actually... If they can take the parts out of it and sell it to, you know, I can, I can totally imagine someone taking your iPhone out of your hands and then running up to, running up to a, you know, a somewhat um, sketchy phone repair place and they'll just dismantle it in ten minutes and then, yeah, you know, and just sell the battery, sell the case, sell yeah. the, the metal. Um, also, I've heard on a couple podcasts when they were talking about iPhones and stuff and how encrypted they are apparently the encryption fails once you're in certain countries like deep deep middle of nowhere countries it the encryption it fails if it's in a different country what do you mean um, the encry I, what the encryption of your data is, or the call this is the thing the the phone itself uh the the iCloud's like locking system right like the encryption on that starts failing when it goes out of certain countries um so you can ship if, if someone nicks your phone, they can ship it to like some third world part like place, and and it's much easier to get into it than it is in the UK. Basically, that's terrifying. I wonder what the mechanism is there that does that. Because yeah, if, the, think, devi if the device is encrypted, then so be it. I wonder if it's because it's all tied into cloud and the internet. If it if it's got an insecure or an unstable internet connection, if they sacrifice some element of the security as a consequence of that. Yeah, I don't know how much of that to believe because it was just one podcast I heard that from and right. I thought that would be a pretty big deal. Like yeah. that would be a, a notable deal. Like, uh, oh, weirdly, um, Apple actually... So 
this is completely different actually this is to do with iphones but um tim cook posted a photo of him in china with sony this week right and um it was at the sony sony campus thing was it a fake sony (laughs) no it was basically tim just saying for the first time ever apple never um like post anything about who they work with or a partnership with or where they get sensors and like they wouldn't go oh we're working with intel like this this is really good um but first time ever he went oh i'm here at sony because we've been having a really good partnership with sony and their sensors uh for the last 10 or 15 years just like you know making it obvious and when you take iphones apart you can see there's a sony if you take all of it apart and you look at the, the camera sensors mm. you can you can see the sony logo on it it's, it's a sony sensor but because he posted that obviously the reason he did it is probably because there's rumors of them working together to put something mental in for the vr stuff that yeah. they're coming up with yeah yeah um so he posted that but instead of people going oh like vr stuff they went oh, sony's admit no apple's admitted that they use sony sensors for the last 10 years without telling anyone it's like so <laughs> their, their yeah. screens are definitely not made by apple but yeah sure if this they, happens if they, all the time yeah it's such a stupid thing oh god <laughs> we <laughs> but, i yeah. i'm a big fan of sony sensors i do think there's definitely a pink problem on the some of their professional cameras like the sony i use i've used the fs5 fs7 a load and they're pink the images come out pink all the time yeah so um weirdly like i only know slightly what you mean but like when you compare it to any canon especially back in the 5d mark ii mark iii uh times and when sony brought out the uh a series a7 one two three um people would notice that the colors were completely different so um yeah yeah i know what you mean that they'd always say that sony is a lot pinker and canon's a lot greener hmm so i wonder what it is about different video manufacturers sorry the sensor makers that that make their color profile so different i know that the exmor series sensor is a tremendous sensor and one of the advantages it had was the I can't remember the terminology precisely, but I think it was called something like backplane lighting or something, where yeah. the the wires that connected individual pixels to the like the master bus that takes data away off to the image processor were behind the sensitive photo cells, not in front of them, and that's a big deal because it means or or alongside them, and the reason why that's important is, and you'd think that'd be obvious, but I, I for, for for reasons that are far beyond my ability to understand. Um, the intricacies of you know like quantum level wiring at this point uh, that made their sensitivity even higher and it's no surprise that iPhones are as good as they are at night and it's now, now that I know they've got so I didn't know they had Sony sensors but one of the things that I really like about Sony is their tremendous low light sensitivity it's yeah, amazing it's, it's amazing that Sony a7 II you gave me is Jesus, it's unbelievably powerful. Yeah, unbelievably. The R2 is really good, and and that's not even the best one. Mm. Like the A7S from 2014, like that could shoot at 100,000 ISO and be clean, and at, it could do 400,000 ISO, which is better than your eyes, but it was super grainy. Um, and then since then, they've had the A7S2, A7S3, and I think A7S4 is now out. 
um, which is like a 46 meg, no, it's 20 megapixel. So much lower pixel density than the A7R range hmm. because that's based on photography, not video. Yeah. Um, and yet that is just a powerhouse for like low light. It's just nuts. Where do you think it's going to go? Because it feels like there's going to be a convergence at some point where all this technology, it's, it seems like it's heading somewhere. And I guess, I guess from a conceptual perspective, from my, from my view, it's, it's heading towards a place where the camera quality is, is just so good that it's indistinguishable from cinema. It's indistinguishable from, from real life. I mean, we've, we've had photo realistic and photo and, 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 you know, we've, we've got cameras now in our phones that are so good that it almost defeats the purpose of having a standalone DSLR. Like I remember that. I remember my dad carrying around a film camera. I remember that. And, and to see 35 mil blown up was just beautiful. And then, you know, you and I lived through the digital sort of revolution, if you like, that transformation where um, I remember when the Ari Alexa came out and one of the things they were beating on about was how it had similar or better signal to noise and latitude than film. And that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. And it wasn't the only digital camera that had that capability at the time. But I remember just reading about the press and thinking, Jesus, that is remarkable because, I mean, you have to look at the size of the thing. It weighs, you know, 10, 15 kilos or something and makes a racket when you turn it on and, you know, it's hot, it's got fans on it and yeah. all of that technology and effort. And that was state of the art at the time, just to mimic film, which has been going for, which has been the staple for hundreds of years. And now we've got sensors in, we've got multiple sensors, multiple lenses in our camera phones that are unparalleled. I mean, it seems to be the case, in, I think, that we'll see iPhones going down from three lenses back to one again. I think when the sensors are so high resolution and the optics are sufficiently advanced, there'll be no need to distinguish between a macro, a, a sta standard, quote unquote, and a telephoto um, you won't need to have separate lensing and separate sensors. It'll be one sensor again. That's what I suspect. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think like it's, it's crazy with iPhone. Uh, I keep saying iPhone because uh, just so everyone knows, I've never had an Android in my life. I've always <laughs> had iPhones and I just know how to work them. So I just never bothered changing. And I like Apple. I think they're quite a cool company. Hence why I'm such an <laughs> Apple fanboy. Um, but like with Apple, they decided to change their phones a few ways. They had a two megapixel camera once uh, for a few years. They updated that to a four, then a five, then a, an, a seven and an eight megapixel. The eight megapixel hung around for four years and they were kind of old tech at that point. Then they brought out the 12 megapixel one, which is the one that has just started slowly moving away from, but you can get it in almost all the phones apart from the Pro 14, which has the 48 megapixel, which mm. is mental. Mm. Um, but that 12 megapixel sensor they're using has been the same one since iPhone 8, I think, um, which means it's been around for seven or eight years. And it's gone from being a, a usable camera just with that old sensor to being very, very good HDR 4K um slow motion like everything can go through that sensor and it's pretty good low light for a camera for a camera that big and it's the same sensor that's been around for five years six years which is nuts so do you think then they'll because uh, megapixels used to be the thing that everyone banged on about and for good reason because i think that was like an indicator wasn't it? that was the acid test you know how good how 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 much 
how much pixel real estate do you have? And that was yeah. sort of like the, the benchmark, wasn't it? But do you, do you think, because what's the current megapixel, 24? No, so I've got 12, 12. On, my, on my 12 Pro. So what's your on the 13? 13 Pro's, your, yours is 12 as well, but I think the new ones are, I want to say 18 and 148 megapixel camera. Right, wow. Um, but I could be wrong. On the 14, it's a 48 megapixel camera. The 14 Pro has one, the main camera, the 20 mil or 18 mil, whatever it is, is a 48 megapixel camera that uh, will shoot some nut stuff. Like it 8K. can do ridiculous stuff. I think it can do 6K. I'm not quite sure Good if God. it can do 8. Because Apple are always slightly behind, but when they end up bringing it in, it's done the Apple way, which is like something special. Uh, they try and believe, well, they're just slow. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's nuts. The, the lens is nuts. Like, look into it later. Do you know who makes the lenses? Is, is it Zeiss or is it Apple's own? Oh, the lenses? I don't know. I know the sensors are Sony. Uh, I can't imagine the lenses being that. I know they're special, but they're probably not. I, I don't think it's Zeiss. I think Zeiss would make it more clear. Like, they, they, the Zeiss is a bit more of a, like of a collaboration they would want. Like, when they do... Who was it they were doing Zeiss lenses for on the phone? And they, they had to call it the, the Sony or whatever it's called, Zeiss. Yeah. And they had to have Zeiss on it. Um, I think I had a Zeiss thing at one point, and it had Zeiss written on the back. I think they only let them do it if they put their name on it. So it's probably like some, it's probably Sony, to be fair. Mm. I did always like the autofocus and the optical image stabilization. <clears throat> We had um, one of the oldest cameras that we ever had was a Sony EX-1R, and that was a great, great, great camera. That was like the, that was the de facto standard broadcast camera for ENG. I loved that camera, and it was, it was only HD, full HD, nothing fancy about it, but one thing that they were really good with, that they had three sensors. They had a red, green, and blue, and a prism. So although it wasn't the most light-sensitive camera in the world, the color accuracy was amazing because the pixels could actually line up. And this is something that we you would you would find on smaller sensors is that when you when you looked at the chroma subsampling and if you zoomed in, you'd actually you'd you'd see a softness, a natural softness that you could never defeat in the image. And that was because the red, green, and blue pixels were all side by side. Whereas what Sony were able to do with their Exmor sensor lineup and this particular camera was that they used a prism to, to diffract the, to, to separate the light out. And then they would just marry up the red, green, and blue. They'd stack them all up in post-processing. And so you had this insanely sharp image that was very color accurate because they broke it out into RGB. And what I, what, the other thing that I really liked about that camera was its ease of use because it was so easy to use. And the, Im the image stabilization was second to none. It was best in class. In my opinion, it was best in class for handheld. You could do telephoto work that was great. Actually, speaking of telephoto work, I saw it. There's, a, there's another YouTube channel that I saw where they looked into, you know, you, when you see big broadcast cameras in studios and they have that massive, that huge box lens on it. Have you heard of the specs of some of those lenses and why they cost like 200,000 pounds? No, I assume the amount of glass in it. Well, I mean, that's definitely one of them. But it, mm -hmm. so these, these tip, typically, these big things, I'm sure I'm getting some of this wrong, but they would go from a 35 mil equivalent, about 12 mil, all the way up to about 1800 mil, mil. And they, would, they could slow, gradual zoom. They could fast zoom. They let an enormous amount of light through. So I think the T-stop equivalent was like 0.3. Or that's like, you know, I don't know what F-stop equivalent that is, but they're insanely fast insanely fast and 
like when you see a, a camera go from being able to focus and zoom comfortably at someone speaking right in front of it or holding a hand right up to it and then zooming way way off into the distance to follow a golf ball that's you know several hundred yards away and you can make the golf ball you know this big on the screen you just think it blows my mind when they actually manage to track that like whenever you watch when when you watch basketball or like football or something and they are they've got like a decent wide shot shot from probably like 300 foot away of a guy running playing football or like basketball someone dribbling along and then as he shoots it just zooms in on a ball and just follows the ball all the way up in the air Center track. It, it stops perfectly yeah focus then, is perfectly sharp i'm just like how do you do that i'd Repetition. love to watch i'd love to watch a gopro attached to the camera facing the cameraman to see yeah, what the eyes yeah. are like because they must be just like Boy, just bored. knowing where. And repetition, just mate. Just, he just, that's all he does. That's all he does all day long as he just goes home and tracks stuff. I always think that if you were a steady cam operator, you must see the world in a different way because I think you'd walk, you'd walk like a chicken. You'd walk and you'd, you'd want your whole world to be... <laughs> Super smooth. Yeah, you'd walk yeah. like a ninja everywhere. You'd just be creeping around everywhere. Sometimes like I do shopping that. Because like you, you've used cameras quite a bit. Sometimes I'm guilty of this. I'll walk around the house and I'll imagine... If this is a movie, how would I frame it? And sometimes I walk as if I'm a steady cam. I will do that because I'm really sad. But yeah, I remember when I first got the Ronin um, and had it plugged in. All I would do is just walk around filming it. It would it'd be useless because it wouldn't actually go anywhere, and I wouldn't use it. But it would be just fun, just watching life through the screen <laughs> yeah. and seeing how smooth you can make it, and see if you can crawl through from one side of the car to the, through a door, <laughs> like across the gear stick, out the other door, and see how smooth you can make it um going upstairs i used to just run up and upstairs and back downstairs seeing how smooth it could go um any excuse to follow someone around with it and see if i can keep them in uh in focus and keep them in shot which i never could i'd be rubbish at focusing at the same time oh, i tell you what speaking of sucked. speaking of ronin the 4d is i think in my opinion yeah. one, one of the greatest looking cameras and the most insane bits of technology i've ever seen i've never seen anything like it that's nuts right that's it's quite old now it's a year old but quite old dude, that, <laughs> quite old it's a year old it's probably going to be worth half, uh, the, half the amount but yeah that's a nuts camera that's so cool and you can mount it to like a big ass gimbal mm. uh, not get a gimbal you can mount the it crane. to a big ass drone or crane oh. or car didn't think of that yeah like an inspire or something whatever the next biggest one is um but yeah, have four four axis stabilization, which is nuts. I think it's the way to go. Definitely the way yeah. to go. No I think for um, steady cam. If I was steady cam, I'd be scared. I'd be really scared. I think yeah. I'd, I'd have to start competing in that space because I think there's just no way you can if you don't if you don't need to wear a full body suit and all that weight and all that balancing and blah 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 and all that training and getting it right. Yeah. You just pick it up. Some of the easy rig made it made a big difference for a lot of broadcast camera operators because Was that the one was yeah, that the one with the that big jib thing arm over cab a cable, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um I think they're just I, pussies though. I think it's just for people who are, who are weak. Oh, it takes off a stuff. lot of the uh, weight. And I imagine when you're running around with not a five D Mark II, but if you're running around with a uh, a pretty massive cine lens with a cine camera going on a gimbal with the gimbal attached you probably want some extra restraint yeah probably um yeah i remember the the first bit of stabilizing like hardware i got um back when i had my 5d mark ii i had a glide cam hd 2000 which is a 
I yeah, remember the a, guy a cam. Wait, a weighted, I remember it. A weighted gyro on a yeah, handle. You just hold it. Yeah, and you had to you had to adjust it with screws to bring it back millimeters and sideways millimeters. Do this length, and I never said. As soon as I bought it, it was like, make sure you do this. There's tons of YouTube videos. I would just be so frustrated and wanting to go straight out <laughs> that I'd just be like, <laughs> kind of that'll do. I yeah. hold it there, see if it does this, and it's like you got to hold it uh, horizontal and go one, two, three, and it should go three seconds to get to there. Mine would be like one, two, and then start pivoting. <laughs> And I'll be like, cool, sounds good, that's stable. It's great, just hold it. Go out. And all the footage would just be, it would be stable, but it would just be like it's flying. It's just like yeah, this. It'd be like on a boat, just wavy. Yeah. So I'd have to stick it through Adobe or something and, and make it ridiculously badly stabilized and on just top of the glide cam. You'd lose about 80% of your pixels. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And, and I was fine with that. I was like, yeah, cool, glide cam, bro. Yeah. I think that that's 600 pound. Mate, they're not cheap. I remember I remember seeing um, an advert for a glide cam. I bought one. I did the same as you, but I bought one that had a vest and a little arm. And yeah. I remember that. And that was, I just got covered in grease immediately. And it was just sh shocking. And yes, it, 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 worked, it worked a... all right. It was, it was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't heavy enough. And so it would just, everything would just have a rock to it. Everything would just yeah, sway. Yeah, that rock was so annoying. I, so mine, you could buy a fixture thing that would be a, arm support that would go along here yeah attached to your arm and then you'd be able to stick it in a on a hole and and kind of do that and and that would take a lot of the weight off you yep but i mean it wouldn't help with your skill of balancing it because at that time it was genuinely a skill mm. unlike now where you can get a gimbal for your phone you can get a tiny little dji i can't even remember ronin uh whatever it's called rs2s yeah. carbon fiber thing you can literally put the camera on it move it back fairly straight as long as it sits straight mm. click calibrate and it'll just go beep, beep, calibrated Amazing. whereas back then you had to measure it and like if you moved your if you forgot to put a battery in like god help you or like <laughs> yeah. if you <laughs> if you like forgot to take the lens cap off it would just be like it just slowly straight moved. away just from yep. a gram yeah. yeah that was the worst or change your your focal point what a pain in oh yeah because it. it would you'd shift the glass backwards and forwards yeah. fucking thing these are absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but thank god I mean, there are people there are people making effort at least you know and this yeah. and what i love about the um the, the ronin 4d is i think it's going to improve cinema immensely now because i think you can definitely see i see i see it a lot in in television uh, documentaries in particular where you can see that they're using a gimbal because it's got that very distinctive um i want to say like z-axis wobble it's got it's got a, there's a movement to it where you can tell they're using a gimbal and it really disrupts that suspension of disbelief and so you're just flung straight into the, the production element again you think oh, okay well they could have done that better yeah and it's but a like shame. The, the more we go on in the years though the less you see that like yeah. the mistakes and things you just don't see as much and um, I think some some of the riggers out there can rig a ring a rig a camera so well, and do like a multi lo a multi set, one shot thing. Like you see all those behind the scenes of like a guy on a steady rig going along, shooting, 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 and then holding onto a car on roller skates going mm. along and attaching it to a cable so it goes up like two floors to join the character going up the stairs. And like you see those and you're like, that's insane. And it looks like one perfect smooth shot. It's amazing. And yet back then it would be so difficult to make one dolly shot look, one uh, glide yeah, cam a single, shot look smooth. Yeah, you can't even walk from point A to point B without there being a... <laughs> Six times whoa. walking up and downstairs trying to get it right. Oh, and not a single one of them is any good. No. They're all well, useless. I, 
I decided the next thing I'm going to buy, um, because I like doing the, the travel vlog thing. Um, I actually just finished one, um, that I am going to buy a little DJ Osmo nice. one for the phone. I like the Osmos actually. They're nice. They're like 60 quid for a second hand one. Nice. I'm going to buy one of those. Where did you, will... what, what vlog did you do? Where, where, where I which made, one did you do it for? Uh, so when I went to France, uh, in July. Yep. I did a part one that I edited straight away as soon as I came back and then I stopped halfway because I was just busy. I think, I think that's when I just started doing this room. Um, so I stopped and then I forgot to, and then as we were kind of looking at doing the reels and stuff for this, yeah. I noticed that my iMovie, cause I'm worried about losing like the thing that's already open. I, uh, <laughs> I decided to finish that really quickly before I started editing reels. Oh, uh, I see. So um, I finished that, uploaded it. Um, but it's really good. Nice. I think. It's fun. Nice, Definitely. man. Go check it out. I'll send you a link. Yeah, please do. Yeah, put a link on here. Yes, yeah, link in the, the description. Yes, and on the video. And on the video. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. How many followers have you got? 250 or something. Wow. Mate, Over that a 20-year period. <laughs> that's not bad. That's 200 dedicated. Well, they probably just lost. You're just lost in the subscriptions it's, now. You just, they can't, they can't be, unsubscribe from you. No, it's going to be people that just liked MX5 content. Yeah. And now they don't get that. So. I've, I, on my channel, my personal one, I've got about 170, 180 followers. And that's all, almost all thanks to me uploading a Bonnie Vare video where Taylor Swift walks on stage. Yeah, I, I saw that. I looked into that. You're getting a lot of views on that. It's 300,000 views and growing now. Thank God bless her. God bless her for getting on stage and doing that. That was a great show. Thanks, Swifty. That's, yeah, thanks, Swifty. That was a great show, though. That was amazing. That was really good. It looked good. I'm not much of a Bon Iver fan, but I like Taylor Swift. I like Taylor, Taylor Swift. I do. In fact, we should um, we should put that in the thumbnail for this video. We should put Taylor Swift in big letters and we'll, we'll hopefully attract some fans. Yeah, and a photo of her on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put, we'll put her in, in the box featuring, on the bottom left. Yeah. Featuring Taylor Swift. <laughs> we'll go Shameless, so well. Shamelessly There'll be it. so many dislikes. <laughs> Thumb, clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Yeah. These guys don't know I, yeah. how to film a podcast properly yeah i don't i don't want to do that hey i think we're filming it all right i think we've done well so far i think we are i think we are and this time you'll actually have hd footage of me yeah hopefully hopefully i need and to that, figure out a way of getting the footage from you to me though i need to find that well now that. it's hd it should be like an eighth of the size compared to seven <laughs> yeah. gigs of a video yeah so if it's just delete gigs, the other ones or what you could do actually with the other ones if you feel like it um no that's too late they're in the past yeah, let's yeah. forget yeah so for yeah they're for, in yeah. the past um Hopefully you've been getting audio absolutely fine because I did not record audio today. Yeah, audio is really clear, really clear today. Cool, Hopefully cool, I've cool. been, I'm just double checking my OBS now to make sure I am recording it and I am, yeah, <laughs> I am recording it. That'd oh, be good. so sad, yeah. Good, good, yeah. good. Well, it's been probably an hour now. Well, I'm called to keep going if you are. It depends how long you've because, got. Uh, I started work at nine o'clock and I've sent two emails. Oh, geez, you need to catch up on that. You need to just schedule some emails in your outbox, man. Yeah, I'm going to do a bit of work so but yeah um we'll try and do another one this week maybe sounds good i've got to come in again this week so yeah i'll find i'll hopefully not just be sat in the lobby where i am right now where people are walking past looking at me like who the fuck is this poser i'll who probably still be here but okay. um if we do one <laughs> yeah. if we do another one this week and then i will take my i'll be at home for four days so maybe ah oh, i'll be in 
Somerset for a week. Let's do a face to face. Should we do a face to face? Let's 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 let you can come here. Come let's to Hartham. That's what we can come. We'll do it here. That right. way. That way. Well, I'm not at home, and we're not going to get disturbed. We can just come straight here. Okay. Cool. Let's do that. Brilliant. Well, it's been nice talking to you, Hens. Until next time, man. Nice Look to after you. yourself. Speak Bye, everybody. You <laughs> See you later. Bye, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, mate.